1: Good afternoon and welcome into the last Woods and Water South Carolina show of 2019. i uh, going to do a replay of the show Greg Lucas and I did on Cassie Gorges. A uh, lot of information in there. A lot of information and Greg is actually going to come back in and we're going to do number two here shortly. So enjoy this one as a prelude to number two coming up in 2020. I, I got a guest in the studio with him today. Uh, Greg Lucas with the Department of Natural Resources is here. I appreciate him taking time to come in. We are... Uh, we're going to talk about Jocassi Gorges. And I told Greg how long we had, and he goes, just scratch the surface. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate him being here. And it is going to be a great show. It's a lot of information. I, I knew about Jocassi Gorges because I knew when they made the original purchase back. And, and then I was there for Sassgrass Mountain for the the uh, unveiling of the observation point. And so I'd read up a little bit, but I had no clue how big Jocassi Gorges is. Not just from a... Just an area standpoint, but how much is there for the average person to see? It's just insane.
0: It is. It's it's a very large area. We have 33,000 acres in South Carolina. And then North Carolina has another 10,000 acres. And then the far, the whole area, if you count all the protected lands, is 50,000 acres. So it's tremendous.
1: And it covers a, a wide variety of altitudes, terrains, uh you know, from almost what you call tropical rainforest, almost, I guess, with the amount of rain they get up there, to uh, mountaintops. And it's just, it is a really diverse place.
0: It really is. Your, your show title, Woods and Waters, uh, <laughs> covers everything pretty much that's up there.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to take the whole show. We're just going to take it slow. We're probably not going to get through a third of, of what we can talk about, just hitting the high point. So I told Greg, I said, we're just going to do this. We'll go however far. I'll make a, I'll draw a line across my page, and we'll come back in October and do it again. If we can't get through it in two, we'll do it another in, in January because there's that much to talk about, and we don't want to rush it. I don't want to rush it. But before we get in, I, I have to tell you this. I was in Chick-fil-A this week, and, and it's kind of got a little bit to do with this show. Um, I was in Chick-fil-A, and I, I was getting my order, and there was a gentleman standing there, and I'm like, he looks familiar Who is here. And when I, when I heard his voice, I knew exactly who it was. It was my high school band director. Dr. Turner from right here at Bob Jones Academy. And actually, I was in, I guess I was a freshman when I first met him. No, because I would have started playing in eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. Anyway, so you figure somewhere I've been around 38, 39 years since I first sat down in his band room and all that. And I told him, I said, Dr. Taylor, Dr. Turner, I said, I have to tell you one thing. Something you said to us way back then, I have used in my life, I have, I have warned my kids out about it. I have and it's really funny. He would get up and usually on Monday mornings he would have a new piece of music for us, just to kind of start Monday off on the wrong foot. <laughs> don't give us something we know. Give us something we don't. You know. So, it, but he would go through and he was all right now. clarinet, you got to watch this. Brass, you got to watch this. You know, I want you know everybody keep your eyes up here because it's going to move and all. And he said, look, you, you get in the middle of this thing and you just lose your way. When you come to the end of the rope, tie a knot and hang on because it'll be over. And I told him, I said, you know, for for almost 40 years now, that has been in the back of my head, whether it was being drilled into me in band class or whether I was using it in life or what I was telling my kids, you know, when it's when it doesn't seem like you're going to make it, get to the rope, tie, tie a knot, hang on, because it'll come to an end. And I haven't seen him in probably 30 years. But that is something that's just in the – I use it all the time. It's a great saying. So – you can apply that to a little bit of this show because you're going to have to tie a knot there's, and hang on because there's a lot of information. And we're going to try to cover it well and, and Greg's going to have to talk more. <laughs> but anyway, to start off the show, let's uh, let's get through our calendar of events. It's going to be a real short one because there's, uh, there's only one thing on it. And luckily Greg brought some information. I had already heard about it. Uh, this is National Hunting and Fishing Day, which used to be at the Duke Energy World of Energy. They've moved it. This is the second year. So, Greg, take just a moment and tell us all the activities going in, on in Seneca on National Hunting and Fishing Day.
0: Okay. It is at South Cove County Park, um, as Roger said, for the second year. For 10 years, we were at the World of Energy at, yep. uh, at Duke, Duke Energy's World of Energy. But it's moved to South Cove. It's a beautiful location. Uh, September 28th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Everything is free. Free. We have an amazing array of, of activities, kayaking, um, target shooting, fly tying. Uh, the archaeologists from, from SCDNR are going to be there and okay. have some exhibits. Uh, just a lot of activities going on all day and, um, and things that will get folks outdoors. And it's a family-oriented event, so it's, sure. it's, very, um, it's very family-friendly.
1: Live wildlife, artifacts, camo hide and seek—that's always fun. You get the kids dressed up, turn them loose in the woods, and play tag. Right. It is. It is. It is. A, it is a glorified game of tag, and you just can't see them though. So. That's right. September 28th, National Hunting and Fishing Day. Um, like I said, I had it down. He was fortunate enough to bring me some information on it. Uh, directions and information, Facebook.
0: Facebook. You can go. Uh, one of the easy ways is to go to the South Cove County park um facebook site dnr also has a dedicated web page for that as well and so there's lots of different ways you can find out about it
1: and it's free so plan clemson football is not clemson is away
0: (laughs) that weekend we always make sure that we have it on the weekend (laughs) national hunting fishing fishing day is traditionally the fourth saturday in september but sometimes that hits on a clemson football game so we move it either a week back or a week up
1: but luckily this year, we're dead we're, on it. Clemson's out of town. Yes, we're good. No make. excuses for people to come because you can TiVo the game. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you. It all As always, our calendar events is brought to you by Visit Anderson Green Pond Landing and Event Center where they're still blowing things up and moving dirt and paving new stuff. Thank you for that one. All right. Man, Joe Cassie Gorgeous. I, when, when I contacted uh, Greg about this, he was more than willing to do it, and he said, Do you have a map? And I was like, oh, I don't have a map. So I got this package in the mail like the next day. There's a map. I unfolded the map. What's this map? Four feet by three feet? It's pretty big. Pretty. And on one side is the map, and it's waterproof. Now, is this a free map?
0: It is a free map, okay. and you can get this map in a lot of different places, one of which is the Clemson, South Carolina Department of okay. Natural Resources office. office. And that's near, for those Clemson folks, that's near the, the Madron Center, okay. a few coves around from the Madron Center. But you can also get it at most of the upstate state parks like Devil's Fork State Park, Table Rock State Park, Kiwi Talks Away State Park, and at Holly Springs Country Store at the
1: intersection of 11 and 178. Yes, yeah. They can order it off the DNR website. Is there a place they can go get it off the website? You
0: can see the map on the DNR website. It's so huge, though. It's really better to have a printed copy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If folks can can send me... uh, uh, an email or a, or you know somehow communicate I'll be glad to mail okay. mail them out,
1: and all you got to do in, in to find Greg Lucas is go to the dNr website top right hand corner's got a little Google search bar and you can go greg g r e g Lucas, hit enter and we'll come up with your contact information and some one of those things, and you'll send them one.
0: yes,' be glad to get one in the mail to them.
1: so anyway, I got this package, and I'm like, yeah, love maps, open it up, look to the map side. I'm like, oh yeah. A lot of stuff here, a lot of stuff here. Yeah, yeah, I know, I've seen some of this stuff, and I didn't realize it went through there. And then I turned it over. <laughs> that is when it became very apparent to me that in forty-something minutes, we're just going to scratch the surface of this, folks. There is, this is almost, I would, I would say this is almost like the milepost in Alaska because it's got everything you can do up there laid out pretty much. And in, and in the interior, it's got a lot of directions and all. We're not going to, we're not going to cover directions. Because we don't want to lead you astray. There's certain times of year, certain roads are open. You know, you got hunting going on. So we get the map. That'll give you the directions. What we're going to do is cover all the stuff you can do inside it. Sounds great. Sounds good. So, got a lot of information. And it's Man, it is the more. Oh, and also, if you want to get a preview before you get your map, you can go look at the Joe Cassidy Journal, which is another publication that you put out here, Greg Lucas with a lot of information. This is the latest one. covers the Sassafras Mountain Tower opening. And all. So we'll talk about this later on. But um, hang on. We're going to take a quick break. More with Greg Lucas and Joe Cassie Gorgeous when we get back. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. We're here with Greg Lucas, and you know you're going to get along with the guy when he says, got good music. <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to have fun. Joe Cassie Gorges talked about it earlier, about 50,000 acres total. Uh, how, how much in 35,000? Thir- 33,000 so, in Carolina. South
0: Carolina that, that South Carolina DNR manages.
1: You know, I know a little bit of the history of Joe Cassie Gorge's. I know some of the players in to begin with, take just a moment, how did we come to get what's now currently referred to as the Gorges?
0: Well, this land was for uh, actually a little more than a century ago in commercial timber production, and it belonged to various different companies, including one called the Poinsett Lumber Company, okay. which was a subsidiary of Singer and sewing machines sewing machines so if any of y'all have a wooden singer sewing cabinet which a lot of folks do my sure. wife does my my grandmother had one that wood probably came from these areas up in in northern pickens and eastern Oconee counties wow so uh, so fast forward to the early 1900s uh, folks from duke power started looking at the property okay. um in terms of uh, hydroelectric capacity. Sure. And then and then fast forward like to the 1950s and they started buying some of the property okay. up. And and then you had the creations of lakes Jokassi and Kiwi mm-hmm. and then the Oconee nuclear station. Right. Uh, Duke also Duke then Duke Power now Duke Energy had a had a subsidiary called Crescent Resources. It was their timber It was timber, their timber management. Right. Company. It right. was their forest mm-hmm. management company. And they had large amounts of land up in up in the mountains. And as you got uh, further down the road into the 90s, it, it became more um, profitable to develop land than it did to cut the timber sure. off of it. So Duke um, was looking to divest itself of that land. Well, thank goodness Dr. James Timmerman, longtime director right. of – the old South Carolina Wildlife and Re- Marine With Resources Department, right. and then DNR, had, had been putting a bug in Duke's ear for years, I mean decades literally, and saying, if y'all ever decide to get rid of this land, we would like to have first crack at it. Okay. Because, you know, that, that land was very valuable. You see how sure. many gated communities, the cliffs communities mm-hmm. that are that are up there. So there were lots of people that wanted this land. Well, Duke was good to their word and offered it, and I think they essentially told DNR, Y'all have a year to come up with the money for this. And so Governor David Beasley somehow pushed through a $10 million bond bill through the General Assembly. Uh, We had some help from folks like the Conservation Fund and I think it's the Carnegie Mellon Foundation and some others, Mm -hmm. and somehow cobbled together around $23 million and and purchased, you know, 30 something thousand acres in 1998. And so it was a great. Request to the people of South Carolina to be able to preserve that land.
1: Unreal, and uh, and I guess would you say the the kind of kind of the end of the whole thing would be the Sassafras Mountains observation point? Would you say that's one of the one of the the last things to kind of make this all finished? Yes, I, a culmination. Culmination. Might, might there be you a go. Good word. Yeah. Not really the end. I yeah. think we've
0: got lots more to come, but. Definitely a culmination. That that was a long time. Coming. Yeah, it was. We, uh, if you go back and look at my Joe Cassie newsletter over the past decade, I <laughs> lied a lot of times because I'd say it's going to open it's in six, open. 2016, yeah. 2017, 28. I finally just quit telling people sure. where it was going to open because I had I had mistold them so many times. <laughs> But as you know, you you, you were there, yes. Roger, but April 22nd on Earth Day, we just yep. had a grand, the grandest of grand openings right. up there. It was really spectacular. And that is a facility that, oh, South Carolinians can just really be proud of. It's the highest point in the state, yep. and it, it's just a view that I don't think even jumping off rock can, can equal. It's just Ooh. an amazing view.
1: It is an amazing view, that's for certain. And we were up there, it was crystal clear. Blue Sky Day, one of those uh, Chamber of Commerce days.
0: It really was the Chamber of Commerce day. And it turned out that was one of the last um, DNR events that our beloved director, Alvin, Alvin Taylor, Taylor yeah. attended up there and was, and was part of the ceremony. And then, I mean, like a week or two later, he announced retired. he was retired. Yep. <laughs> So it was great having him up there. And he... Supported that project and was, the was instrumental. Yes, yep. in the beginning, yeah, he was he was all on board, like Dabo says, all in immediately all in. Uh, when that was announced. So that was that was really good.
1: Well, that's kind of just the introduction to it. Um, the terrain, because you, you, if you're around upstate South kind of towards the mountains, you hear a lot of times about the Blue Ridge Mountains, and you look at them in the morning, evening, you know exactly why they're called Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, but you'll often hear to something called the Blue Wall. Talk just a moment about the Blue Wall because it's it's a it's a geographic uh, feature in that area of, the, of our state that's uh, very unique.
0: The the Blue Wall, I, I believe that has its origins in in Cherokee, but the you know specifically where it comes from is the Blue Ridge Escarpment, right. and that is that is if you're talking to a geologist, that's the 2,000 foot vertical uplifting. That goes from the Piedmont, which is the toe, literally the toe of the mountains, I think in French, to uh, the Appalachian uh, to the Appalachian Mountains. So uh, it's a it's a incredible um, place of diversity because of its its um, because of the way the elevation changes. It actually changes the weather somewhat. You know, lots of weather systems hit the Appalachians and and do lots of different things. We have a tremendous amount of rainfall. Some parts of of the Jocassi gorges get upwards of 80 inches of rain a year, which is pretty amazing and puts it almost in the rainforest category. Category. The, of course, the diversity of plants and animals are directly attributable to all of that rainfall. Wherever you have water, you have life. Sure. And so we have abundant life up there. And, uh, it's, it's a challenge for, um, uh, biologists, wildlife biologists, fisheries biologists, researchers at places like Clemson and Furman and other schools that love to send their, their scientists up there. So it's just an amazing place. And, um, you know, as, as you've alluded to, the, the, the number of recreational opportunities is astounding. Everything from hunting and fishing, which, I'm sure Roger has talked about pays the bills <laughs> for conservation in it places does. like this. Pippin Robertson and Dingle Johnson. Exactly. Funds. I w- yes. I wish everybody, I wish those words flew off everybody's tongues like they did did yours. Uh, when when I try to explain that to your average citizen, their eyes glass over in about huh. two sentences. Yes. <laughs> but it, it is true. Hunters hunters and anglers pay the bills, but we've got a lot of company up there: mountain bikers, paddlers. Uh, Nature photographers, uh, birders, birders. Oh, it's a birding paradise. Yes, it is. So it really, it it really is an amazing place.
1: Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, and I know DNR is up there managing and all. Um, you talk, you talked a moment about Indian tribes, because as some people know, and South Carolina was home to quite a few tribes of Indians. The little local tribes weren't very big. Um. Talk about some of the the Indian tribes that that kind of lived in that area of state.
0: Right. Well, the the main one was the Cherokee, okay. and um, the lower village of the of the Cherokee in, in in this part of the world is underneath Lake Kiwi now. Okay. Um, but it was a very important trading place. It was a very important uh, gathering place. There is a site. I don't think we really talk much about it on this map, but uh, people have probably read about it. It's the petroglyph site okay, yeah. up on Pinnacle Mountain where right. there are some rock carvings, an incredible number of rock carvings up there on that uh, very high, very beautiful site. And, of course, nobody really knows. They're prehistoric, so we don't know the the meaning behind it. Right. But somebody obviously took a lot of time to carve literally hundreds of these petroglyphs up there. So it was pretty important. We know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean you had uh you had people up there called the the Eastatois. Um the Oconee uh, the Ocone East Attowies, and uh called the green birds because we used to have a parakeet.
0: Right, we here. had the Carolina parakeet, um which has been extinct yeah, over a hundred years. Yeah, so. for a long yeah. time. That apparently made frequent appearances in that valley in Eastatoe Valley.
1: Go figure that one. Um we talk a little bit about uh, the fauna and all that, but but its home and was this discovery place the Oconee Bell,
0: right? The Oconee Bell has a has a really interesting history. Um, it was uh, first seen and described by uh, by Francois Michaud, a French botanist who was here in the United States in in the late seventeen yeah, hundred eighties, and he took a herbarium specimen back to France. Okay, put yeah. it in a museum. Um, You fast forward to the mid-1800s, a botanist uh, from Harvard, Asa Gray, um, decided, he looked at that specimen and wanted to find it. And um, the problem was, Michaud described it as the high mountains of the Carolinas. Well, (laughs) um, the botanist from Harvard decided that that meant somewhere like around Mount Mitchell and some of the the really high, like 6,000 foot peaks. Well. It was not nearly, you know, it was in Jocassee Valley is where it was. Okay, and so he spent most of his career looking for it. And of course, you know, this is this is in the mid 1800s, so things people didn't find out things nearly as quickly as they do now. Uh, It was finally rediscovered by by an herbalist in in Marion, North Carolina, and all was well. They. But still, I, it was at the at the end of Asa Gray's career. I'm not sure. I, I can never remember if he actually came and saw oh. it in its in its native location. But um, he named it, and uh, and so it's 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 one of the iconic um, uh, species. Definitely wildflower species sure. of uh, in that area of the Jocassic Gorges. And people make a pilgrimage in mid March to come see it bloom. It is quite beautiful. <laughs>
1: It's is you know you you think about it a guy who spends his life or part of his life looking for a plant and it's right in our back door and that was one thing that was brought up when they when they dedicated the Sacrifice Mountain over uh, overlook that um, this is a, going to be a dest a place of travel destination that people would come to be on the highest point in each state and that people would people come because you can see what four states from one place. We don't realize how much of a destination state we are until you start looking at places like this.
0: Right. Jocassi Gorges was listed by National Geographic in one of their special publications a few years. as one of the 50 last greatest places. So it definitely is a destination that people travel to. And we we tend to take it for granted, which is too
1: bad, really. Well, I'm 52, and I've lived in South Carolina my whole life. And the first time I've been up, of course, I go up and fish the Chetuga a little bit. But my first real thing was to the dedication of Sassafras Mountain. And I'm an outdoorsman, quote unquote. All right. Hang on through the break. Cause like I said, we have just, we just scratched. We haven't made it maybe three quarters of the way down the first fold of the map. We might, this might be a six part series, folks, but just, it's good. Hang on through the break. We'll be back with more Woods and Water Southcon and Greg Lucas from the Department of Natural Resources on the other side. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Brack with, <laughs> Brack. Back with Greg Lucas from Department of Natural Resources. Talking about Joe Cassie Gorges, it, seriously, Greg, this, this might turn into like a five- or six-part miniseries.
0: It's a it's a big place, and there's a, there's a lot to talk about.
1: But it's, it's, it's good stuff. We're not just filling in airtime here, people. We're giving you stuff that you can use. Go enjoy 12 months out of the year, year-round. There's something to do up there year-round. Especially in June, July, and August when it's probably 10 degrees cooler up there. And especially with all the rain, you can get down in the woods. It's probably even cooler where it's damp. Right. So lots of stuff to do. Um, one thing we are blessed with in South Carolina is water. We talked about how much water they get up there. We've got lakes, rivers, and streams and all the way to the ocean. I mean, we got water from, you know, to enjoy probably more than any other state. Maybe we share that a little bit with North Carolina because they got some mountains. Maybe, maybe Washington State with their mountains, you get a little bit of the same thing. But, but Jocassi Gorge is full of waters, and and I've had Mister uh, King on talking about his waterfowl hike books. We got some waterfalls up in Chocasie Gorge. Let's, let's talk just a minute about some of those.
0: We do. We have um, several that that are noteworthy not only because of their uh, because of the view, but also because of how easy they are to get to. Um one that folks uh, local folks might be familiar with is uh Twin Falls in East Otoy Valley and you can uh drive to there's a little viewing uh spot. Oh, it's probably a quarter of a mile away. That's very, you know, a very easy to walk to get. It's a beautiful oh, waterfall. Okay. Um the the other two that come to mind quickly, one one is in South Carolina, lower Whitewater Falls, but just up the Whitewater River about two miles is upper Whitewater Falls. Uh, Upper Whitewater Falls is very easy to get to, um, and you go to a, a viewing platform. I think it's about a quarter of a mile walk. Uh, lower Whitewater Falls, which is near Bad Creek Hydro Project. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Up on, uh, up on 130 up above Salem is a little more of a walk. L- little, little, got to invest a little more sweat equity, okay. uh, to get to that. But both of those, uh, both upper and lower Whitewater Falls are, are in excess of 400 feet. In height, so they're incredibly impressive wow. waterfalls. Yeah.
1: Well, Mr. King is always real good about this when he was on talking about some of the, yeah, you're looking at the waterfalls and the water coming down and the splash and in the summertime it's nice and cool and the wintertime it ice[s] up and it makes really good pictures and all, but some of the the rock formations, some of the 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 plants you're going to see around it, they're just different when it comes to waterfall.
0: They are different. Um, If anyone's ever been up to uh, either Caesar's Head or Jones Gap and talked to the interpreter up there at the state parks, Tim Lee, he does a very great presentation on what he calls a spray cliff community. Okay. And so because of the constant moisture, because of the high humidity that is there all the time, you're right. You have a totally different um, uh, group of plants that live up there. And of course, animals as well. You, there are abundant things like salamanders that are in these areas um, for people that like to, to turn over rocks and look for <laughs> those kinds of things, which is always fun. But uh, it is, it is a totally different uh, environment. And it, it is something that you can, you can really enjoy. Like you say, the, the waterfalls themselves are spectacular, sure. but everything around it is also
1: um, incredibly diverse uh, and, and full of life. You know, you mentioned salamanders and that's on this map. It talks about them. Um, we took a tour last year with Joe Cassie Lakes tour. We rode out across the water and right. very good. I mean, it was, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed doing that. Learned a lot, but we, we stopped and, and we caught some salamanders and they were talking about how many different kinds of salamanders live in that area. It's like one of the most abundant places in the United States for salamanders. It is. It's it's an incredibly
0: diverse uh, environment for things like salamanders. Uh, those two, the two folks that run that company, um, Jocassee Lake Tours, yes, uh, Brooks and Kay Wade, they came through our Upstate Master Naturalist program, okay. Okay. and uh, which is sponsored uh, mostly by Clemson Extension, but but also State Parks and, and DNR. And, and those two folks are. They're, they're good. They're very good, <laughs> and they're very curious about everything. Sure. You know, yes. they, they uh, about sal. That's neat to know that they that y'all went looking for salamanders yeah. when you're on the trip. They also do some great, um, when the loons come back to yes. Cassie, they do a lot of loon tours up there, which a lot of folks are not aware of. That we have loons in South Carolina. Yeah. One
1: of the coolest sounding birds out there. It's, I guess you technically they are a bird, they're not a duck. Uh, um, it's waterfowl, waterfowl. It's okay. A waterfowl,
0: okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that sound of a loon. Calling that is something truly beautiful and haunting. It's it's it is. it's quite a thing to hear.
1: Melancholy, but at the same time, it's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Spent a week in Canada. I mean, way up in Canada. Took us nine hours from Montreal driving to get there, uh, to a, a, a little cabin, a couple boats that the Coast Guard would just look at and shake their heads. And we fished for a week up there, and there were two pairs of resident loons. And so morning and evening, I'll, I would go out and sit on the dock and just listen to them. And he, it chills at the same time, but just you're like, this is really special. And we got that right here. Just never know. Um, we talked about, talking about some of the fauna and all. This area has some hemlocks in it.
0: We do. Unfortunately, we we also have something called the hemlock woolly adelgid. Yes. Which showed up in the early 2000s, and when you go to places, especially waterfalls, yes, because hemlocks, uh, eastern hemlocks especially, um, like to be around water. They like they're usually found at stream sides. But when you go to a waterfall now, when you look out across the vista, what you see are a lot of what what foresters call gray ghosts, right? And and that's uh, die dead or dying hemlock trees, and uh, that's something that. I don't know. A lot of scientists are are trying to search to find the answer, but right. it's it's looking like the eastern hemlock is going to be the chestnut tree of our generation, and is probably at least uh, in the in the forest landscape is probably going to disappear at some point, you know, within this generation. So hopefully there there's some very a lot of uh, foresters at Clemson University right, are, yeah. are looking to find the answer. To, uh, to eliminate the hemlock woolly adelgid. So hopefully they, they will come up with an answer to that. Are
1: we still inoculating those trees? Do we still go up there and, and work on those trees every year?
0: Yes. Um, the hemlock uh, woolly adelgid is easily controllable with some chemicals that, that folks use and have used uh, an insecticide for years. The, the difficulty is the, the massive scale of, of a landscape of millions of trees right but in places where like for instance in Jocassic gorges we have um another hemlock species called the carolina hemlock that grows in high and uh, and on ridges our land manager mark hall for gosh i guess the last at least the last decade has um has contracted with arborists from north carolina because because they actually have to do some almost rock climbing to get to these trees but those trees have been treated and he was just talking the other day that it's about a seven year cycle. Okay. The insecticide lasts about seven years, six to seven years on average, and he's getting ready to have those Carolina hemlocks up on round top mountain, which is a mountain you can see from, from Sassafras. Okay. Um, but he's about to have those hemlocks retreated. So in places where you take care of them and you have the you have the funding and the labor to do it, you can you can save hemlocks.
1: Okay. And and, and in the latest Jocastic Gorge's journal that we talked about early, earlier. Um, Mary Rowe will love me for this. There's a new section of the Palmetto Trail that opens up that accesses the Carolina Hemlocks you were just talking about. Right. Um,
0: this is the Carolina Hemlock Loop. And uh, one of the neat things about this, uh, and th- this is uh, part of the Palmetto Trail. Right. Which is uh, a program of the Palmetto Conservation Foundation. Mm-hmm. And it's in memory of John S. Rainey, who was a uh, prominent South Carolina attorney, conservationist and philanthropist. So uh, if you if you're interested in that new section of the Palmetto Trail, if you, you go to the Palmetto Trail website, they have great maps and, and descriptions on there that you can you can find out where this is. But it's up near uh it's up near Sassafras. Okay.
1: Yeah. Joe Cassidy Journal, how do people get this? Because you 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 brought you gave sent me a copy and then you sent me a link for Reading, years worth. reading yeah. for years. Yeah. Uh, how do people access this newsletter? They can go to the Joe Cassie
0: Gorge's website or the web page part of the DNR website, and okay. there there is a uh, form that you can just fill out, and it it comes to me. It's free to South Carolina residents, and I'll uh, be glad to get you on the subscription list. Um, and, and it's pretty easy to do that. Or if you just send me an email, or if you know just get in touch with me, give me your i need your postal mailing address, okay, and uh, we can get you on the subscription list
1: yeah because it's really neat and in the last couple of minutes i'm gonna talk we uh this you got an article about the Sassafras mountain tower opening uh which just happened we talked about that uh Dennis Chastain local legend i mean. <laughs> Goodness <laughs> have, have gracious. you had Dennis on this show no I have you, you not you need, to, I, I get need him,
0: to you need to get him on here it's interesting that you mentioned Dennis because if you you were talking about a Coney Bells yes and and Dennis has a description for everything of course and, <laughs> and, and he um he he's he, he's uh uh he, he's quite a character if you haven't met him but um when he refers to a Coney Bells which which is a a, a fairly rare plant sure. uh, specifically because of where it grows but he says, Dennis says that acony bells are not rare. They're locally abundant. <laughs> and he's true. Wherever you, it's wherever you find them, you find literally thousands of them, but they're just not, it's this one little corner
1: of, of God's earth where you find them. And that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, going on, uh, Beach Bottom Falls Trail is now open, another falls trail, a uh, hundred foot waterfall at the end of it. Um, Talked a little bit about environmental classes offered at Holly Springs Center. Um, then you go on and cover Camp McCall, sixty years of, of Camp McCall. Camp McCall. I
0: went there as a child. I grew up Baptist, um, like a lot. Of, I, I go to uh, a Presbyterian church now, <laughs> but almost all of the people that I go to church with grew up Baptist. Sure. I don't know, I don't know how that happened, but Camp McCall um, for the Royal Ambassadors, yes, the RAs. RAs. Uh, is is just a beautiful place. And they do such a great job there. And uh, the uh, facilities director was actually talking to me recently. He wants to get with our fisheries biologists, and they want to introduce fly fishing up there as an activity, which I think is just an absolutely wonderful well, idea. Or a perfect
1: fit. Yes. Perfect fit. Yes. Uh, Mary was on Mary Rowe from Palmetto Conservation was on me uh, last week, I believe. And uh, we were talking about the women's weekend, that they're going to have it. Uh, table, table rock, rock state park i and, just found out about that yesterday and yeah. that is a wonderful thing and she was and she, we were going through and she goes now roger you'll like this because right there we have a thing of fly fishing and she goes you'd be amazed at the interest from women in that class so what a natural fit for the for camp mccall to introduce fly fishing uh talks about a, we had some landslides up there with recent rains uh cover that Clemson studied aid ecosystem restoration through Duke Energy's habitat program article, and um, Camp Cedar Creek at Toxaway. Is this a new camp? That or is a new outdoor is facility?
0: A, that is a new group camp that is at Kiwi State Park, and and that was done by Duke Energy as part of their Kiwi Toxaway relicensing okay. uh, effort. But it is a beautiful place, and uh, you know, for for groups, maybe even I think is. Like fifty to a hundred people. They've got the facilities up there. They've got a lodge. They've got cabins, and um, it's it's just a beautiful facility yeah. that I'm sure as people find out about it, it's going to be in high demand.
1: Yeah, thirteen acres, ten tent camping sites, three camping cabins, bathhouse, lodge, two picnic tables, fishing pier, and a portage trail to Lake Kiwi. Uh, then we talk. And then it goes on and talks. in another article talks about the Carolina Hemlock Loop that we talked about earlier, and um, then we talk <laughs> Marius. Itching to talk about this too, the the bridges that got taken out on the East of Passage with the storms and all. So that's that is the Jocassi Journal. Uh, get a hold of Greg and he'll set you up and you can get these. And we're a little bit over our break time, but I think if we go to break now, we'll uh, pick it up and finish off the uh, the show with a little more on Jocassi Gorges. And we might be looking at a, a ten to twelve month issue here, <laughs> but it's good because as long as Greg will drive over here, we'll do this again. So hang on through the break. More woods and water, South Carolina on the other side. you got to love that song. For what we're talking about, no hurry. If you're going to go up there and experience Joe Cassie Gorgeous, don't be in a hurry. Right. It's not a place that you want to
0: rush around. No. You, you want to allow plenty of time. And I usually, when I tell people about even short forays, you know, to allow half a day. And
1: you really ought to allow all day. Sure. And take your time. Don't be in a hurry. Stop often. Take a good pair of binoculars. Look around. There's so much there to see that that in normal everyday lives our eyes are not accustomed to seeing. They're not accustomed to picking up horizontal lines in a vertical forest, you know? Just take a little time and look because you're you're always going to be surprised at what you see. You really are. I
0: take a deep breath when you're there. Just look <laughs> around and take a deep breath. And it's amazing how much it calms people down oh, to yeah. get outside. You know, I know a lot of fancy psychologists <laughs> and people are telling people that now, but we've known that, hadn't we Roger? Sure. For a long time that sure. you, you get outside the world slows down and it just seems to make a lot more sense. And things come in perspective.
1: Um You know, there, there's two trails in, in Joe Cassie Gorges. That's the Palmetto trail, which we touched just a little bit on the spur that just opened and, and Mary and I'll will Mary Rose going to come back on in September. We're going to do some more on the Palmetto trail. So we'll just kind of, it, it's there. Know it's there. And and you can go back and and Mary and I'll try to cover it a little bit. But you're on the the board for the Foothills Trail. The Foothills Trail is our Joe Cassie Gorges is shot through with Foothills Trails because that's part of, as you said, what Duke Energy the mitigation they had to do for Bad Creek. And um, talk. Let's take this last segment. Just do a little bit on the Foothills Trail. It it
0: is uh, an integral part of Joe Cassie Gorges. And by the way, I want to mention that if folks are listening in Pickens County, they when you when you mention Jocassy Gorges to folks in Pickens County, yes. they look at you with a kind of a puzzled look and then you say the horse pasture, horse pasture. and they go that's oh, right. the horse yes. pasture. So that's horse pasture. Pickens yeah. County has has, I mean I guess for generations called this area the horse pasture, but well
1: um, that's the horse pasture river. Right. Horse pasture is one of those sure.
0: big four rivers mm-hmm. that empties into Lake Jocassy, absolutely
1: which are let's say you got the Thompson, the Whitewater, the horse pasture And the Toxaway, The Toxaway, yes. Those are the four rivers. Right.
0: Um, The Foothills Trail, which is now the Foothills Trail Conservancy, um, was dreamed about in the 80s by some folks that you would probably be familiar with over here in Greenville. Um, But it really kind of became a reality when Duke Energy was looking at building the Bad Creek Hydroelectric Facility um, as part of making up for, you know, taking – part of that mountain away to, to build that uh, reservoir and that pump back facility Duke uh, agreed to build 45 miles of the foothills trail and protect it and man, manage it and maintain it in, in perpetuity oh wow so that the foothills trail in its entirety is 77 miles from Oconee State Park to Table Rock State Park but uh, the the 45-mile section that Duke Energy built is now within the Jocassi Gorge. Okay. So all of the land that was sold by, by Crescent Resources in Duke to the state of South Carolina includes the Foothills Trail, and it's a, a wonderful, wonderful trail. Uh, has great vistas. Part of it goes over Sassafras Mountain, so it goes over the highest point in the That's state. That's
1: right. There's a, there's a sign right there that Foothills Trail this way.
0: Right, exactly. You go right over, right over the observation tower, but it also includes walks along the Chattooga River, okay. goes by more waterfalls than you can shake a stick at. And it's just a, just a wonderful thing that we have uh, in South Carolina. Actually, the Foothills Trail goes into North Carolina as okay. well around Lake Jo So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, one of the easiest places to, to, uh, to do a day hike on the, Foothills Trail now is uh, uh, when you're going up to, S- to Sassafras Mountain, you can kind of kind of make a twofer here um, on the way up to Sassafras. About two miles before you get to the top, okay. there's a pull off on the left, um, a little parking area. That's actually the Beach Bottom Falls access as well, but that is also where the Foothills Trail comes in, a road access. You can if you have two vehicles, you can leave a vehicle there, leave one of your vehicles there, going up to the top of Sassafras Mountain. Uh, enjoy the, the view up there at the top, and then take the Foothills Trail 2.7 miles back downhill to Chimney Top Gap. And uh, so a great a great way to kind of combine a trip that way. Um,
1: Foothills Trail, what what are they walking on? Is that, you know, 12-inch wide skirting down the mountains, or are there some road beds or railroad track trails? I mean, what, what kind of difficulty levels? on average, would you expect on that
0: trail? It's a little bit of both. You do have some single track, I guess you'd call it, trail that might be 18, uh, 27 inches wide, something like that. But you also, there are a lot of logging roads within Cassie Gorges, so sometimes the Foothills Trail gets on an old logging road, and so you'll have a a wide. And the difficulty, it it, it ranges from nearly flat to maybe areas along the Chattooga River and the Whitewater River to some... Really <laughs> steep, challenging, um, challenging portion. So, um, you can get a little bit of almost anything. And of course, in the mountains, um, uh, you, you can get, you can get some ups and downs. Um, we had talked earlier about if people are, even if you're
1: just going to take a day hike, sure, you always need to take a rain jacket. Some of the things you need to take when you go up to, pretty much on any outing, but especially when you're in the mountains. If you're packing a go pack
0: or a go bag to be in the mountains, you definitely need. A rain jacket, because even if even if it's a blue sky above, you might run into rains. Just because that's the that's the way uh, mountains are. Always have extra water, of course. Okay. Uh, sensible footwear <laughs> is a good idea. I've I've seen people going up Table Rock Mountain in flip flops. Yeah. Not a good idea. Not a good thing to do. Um, make sure, uh, especially if you're even if you're in the warmer months, you want to make sure you have some some extra clothing to put on or some dry clothing. So those are. Kind of some of the things that you need to think about if you're going to you're gonna be taking a walk.
1: Always check the weather, but never depend on the weather forecast because it can change with the whim. It is highly variable in the mountains. As some locals say, mountains make their own weather, and they do. They do. Uh, don't have uh, Mount McKinley there. I've seen it make its own weather, but uh, it, it does. We talked about the storms that come up, and a lot of times they hit the mountains. They dissipate. Sometimes they hit the mountains and blow up, and sometimes they start up there. So you just always need to be prepared, a Boy Scout motto. Um, you know, we're not going to get to everything, and we knew we weren't, but there is there is some incredible fishing up in there. Some of these rivers we talk about, some of the streams have some of the, almost what you call blue ribbon trout streams up through there. Um, talking about bird watching, the wildlife, the hunting, just a lot of stuff. And, and wrapping up what will be our first segment on Cassie Gorges, anything, in the last, say, minute that you want to point out to people that, that we didn't get to, or something you want to reinforce we already talked about?
0: Well, I'd like to reinforce the fact that Sassafras Mountain is open and that people can go up there and enjoy it. Um, it's an amazing view. We're, we're going to, we had some teacher development days up there from Pickens County Schools. And I've already had a conversation with an elementary school teacher who a third grade teacher that wants me to meet her up there to bring eighty students to the top. <laughs> and there's so many lessons up sure. there. Sure. Watershed lessons. Yep. They're you know, they're there are birds that we only see up there that we don't see anywhere else. So there's a lot to learn and I'm I'm glad. I think every every child in South Carolina needs to needs to go up yeah. there as part of their South Carolina history education.
1: And and when you're up there Yes, look around you and look out and see what all you can see, but look down because the really cool thing about there is the compass that's in the center of that overlook. So you know exactly I'm looking north, east, south, and west. That's a really cool feature. And right on the state line. So you can jump on
0: one side and say, hey, I'm in North Carolina, and (laughs) jump on the other side, hey, I'm in South Carolina, which is kind of – Aren't North Carolina and South Carolina playing in football this I don't weekend? Know. I don't know. Who cares about <laughs> football?
1: Greg, thank you. We'll do this again. Thanks for listening, folks. Um, as always, make time to get out there. Take the back roads when you can because that's where South Carolina comes alive. And don't forget the camera. We'll see you next week with more Woods and Water, South Carolina. Get me
0: from
1: behind